0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Macaro, aka Rod Bailey. This is the Peanuts and Corn Podcast 2020 edition, and uh, this is—I'm very excited. I'm not even going to say the episode number because I'm, I'm, I'll dub it in later. But here we go. I'm very excited to be joined by my good friend Raleigh Pemberton, aka Cadence Weapon, from Edmonton, Edmonton, Manitoba, Edmonton, Alberta, <laughs> and um, uh, you know we go back. From probably almost 20 years and we've kind of hung out a little bit and stuff but I've been a big fan of your music and we've crossed paths many times and you've crossed paths with the whole peanuts and crew for years and you know you're ex- to me you're extended family you haven't recorded directly like a project on the label per se but you're like part of our extended family and so I thought it would be really great to Uh, sit down with you and hang out for a couple hours in both our busy schedules and play some music. And it's, you know, for me, it's really fun to kind of go through people's catalogs and going through your catalog and all the songs I like and all the stuff and how much you've progressed over the years, I think, is really interesting. So um, welcome. Welcome. Yo,
1: yo, you know, it's funny. I was thinking back to the first time I ever talked to you. And one of the first things I said was, uh, you, you should sign me. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and I probably was ready to too,
1: you know. But you did uh, help me quite a bit back then. I've I've been thinking a lot about it because I've been writing a lot about the past, and I was thinking, yeah, before my first record even came out, you know, like I was sending you like demos from that album.
0: Yeah, you know. Yeah, I remember getting. I was going through my files, and I have demos from your first Cadence Weapon is the Black Hand. Mm-hmm. Which is, and then, and I was liking it a lot. And then I got the whole project and well, let's get into it. I, well, let's get ready. Let's play some music because yeah here's the first thing that, um, I love this project. So let's listen to Black Hand. This is you, Cadence Weapon. What year would this be then? Two, two thousand, two
1: thousand one? No, no. Way later than that. No, okay. that would be, um, two thousand four. Okay. Two thousand four. When I made it, I made it to two thousand four and it came out. Uh, early 2005.
0: Okay, all right, here we go. This is Black Hand. Check this out.
1: I take a break where it is, cousin. Caden's fucking weapon. Eight step programmer. Listen. Sleeper's hand them a pillow Black hand like a Brillo. I don't spit coke rap While you gram into kilos I was standing for real bro Sure I'll house you But I won't supply you a meal though Not really Keep your point slow to yourself I dropped out with a 4.0 have a wave of words Heavy mental Gentle memory Of every single sound Since you arrest me In development I'm the intelligent black speaker With a sound that banks Every relevant black speaker At the black dog Their sort of voice me and rap future's blacker than important employees You're dead if it's fight night Cause with fence you're quite Right, right, You know I got you pegged like light bright I've been through your bitches Or split decision I can tell your first lying And I don't live really do with Style soft like a pillow For real though Black hand like a thriller. Style soft like a pillow For real though Black hand like a thriller. Style soft like a pillow For real though Black hand like a thriller. Soused off like a pillow, for real though. Black hand like a thriller. Bob Dylan on the fence, will I sell out or buy in? Either way, I'm indebted to science. Pure schemes with weights on the grip. Don't push the block unless enough money is spent. The kid was shook to scandal. The pistol grip to do work, cause the vandals took the handles. Hope it hits you harder than an anvil The way I wrote my epitaph tape On the face of that handbill This damn bill, that's my space like the Jetsons Throwin' my space with my line as a reference Y'all leave hookers with a dime in your preference Some hard sock poppy. I don't whine a regret shit A question, How's it feel I feel the house like the speaker Plus the wheel, the shouts for the weaker and the poorer Hand black like the morons And I ran to the back with seven years and four scores they style soft like a pillow for real though. Black hand like a frillo. Style soft like a pillow for real though. Black hand like a frilla. Style soft like a pillow for real though. Black hand like a frilla. Style soft like a pillow for real though. Black hand like a frillo. I said get get 'em. I'm Done with dead rhythms The number one question is can the heads mix them I got vendettas with ice chains and grills But I flame with skills that might pain your illness Fuck writer's block I block fighters on a regular. I'm said to Mary Fight a talk with the death They bury like no the battle They say the warrior's godlike Just means you're a civilian looking at a fight, Cold and frostbite I walk in strikes and run blocks Like Pac-Man but with more rubber than Dunlop Who's grimy? Then again, to who's rhyming? Ask your girl, she blew my tower like Boots Riley. Now Fools i we catch 'em when the flow's done, like it was '88. Ripping leaf patches off a honeypot, no one could touch touch 'em. So I'm taking my marker to get my point across, like an atheist archer. Style soft like a pillow, for real though. Black hand like a gorilla. Style soft like a pillow, for real though. Black hand like a gorilla. Style soft like a pillow for real though, black hand like a frillow. Style soft like a pillow for real though, black hand like a frillow.
0: Alright, that's Black Hand by Cadence Weapon from Cadence Weapon is the Black Hand and also from your first album uh, on Upper Class. When you Breaking reissue in it, Breaking Kayfabe. So, yeah. that's a dope song, eh?
1: Thank you, thank you.
0: Produced by you.
1: Yes. That was, you know, it was interesting when I made that song. Like, my whole vision of it was to to do something super regular. Yeah. To me, that was like a super normal beat to make. I was, I was trying to do something kind of conventional because like everything I had made up to that point was like really like synthed out and super weird. Yeah. And yet it still kind of has like a real strange character to it. Um, I feel like yeah, even like with the chops and everything and like the style of rapping, I felt like I was really trying to be a bit like Pharaoh Monch or something. Yeah, You know, like uh, just, you know, the kind of attitude. You know, yeah. like I used to love those organized confusion records. So oh, yeah, I was kind of on that energy and it was like, yeah, I was just, when I say like black hand, like Gavrillo, I'm talking about Guerrillo Princip, you know, one of the, the reasons why world war, uh, one happened, I believe it's okay. world war one. You're talking to a guy was, who
0: has, who knew, took basically no history
1: because he was the person who assassinated archduke franz ferdinand okay and he was a part of a kind of a a group called the black hand okay yes
0: there you go schooling guys like me
1: i mean that's wilding. that's the kind of thing that a teenager likes to rap about i guess right
0: right yeah i took i took my history in french therefore i learned no history so you learned a little bit about Upper and Lower Canada, and that's all, that's about it. So that's all my history. Um, so you, so you produced that one, yeah. I mean that uh, like that beat to me it really dope drums. And then you're kind of like there's like four different parts. Are those four different records that you're sampling, like jumping from record to record, or is that like four parts of a song? Do you remember?
1: The, um, there are two. There were two records involved. There's. Um The drums are a separate record, which I God knows what what it is. But the um, the the sample I, I chop in a few different ways, right. and it's all from the same track, which was like a, a Brazilian pop track, which I once got a MySpace message from the artist's son, no being way. like, oh, be, yes, being like, oh, I heard your track, and uh you used my dad's music uh the band i think is called bongo or bonga okay and and uh but it, he was no one was mad at me right so it was and it was fine i was like okay tight. uh never let's never talk again
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you 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 made your first record um Kane's weapon is the black hand which was kind of an album mixtape kind of idea right
1: I, yeah i feel like it was it it, it was um not totally thought of, to me, I didn't really think of it as like, oh, this is like my first release. Because I had actually made like a weird demo before that, that I, you know, sold in high school. I called it um, the Black Protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I made all these CDRs of that, and I'd, I'd been like slinging them around already. Yeah. But then I went to university for a year. Um, I went to Hampton University and while I was out there, I was starting to make these kind of like odds and ends and just like random kind of experiments that there were things that like I would be on a message board and they would have like a beat making competition. On like flava message board or something, yeah. Where it was like, okay, whoever uses all these samples the best, like, wins or whatever. Right. And so that's like how you get some of like the things like the remixes and stuff. Like I did this this remix for the uh, the anthem by Sway and Tech. Yeah. On that on that record, and it's like all the samples and the reason why there's so many samples is was like you have to use all these samples. Right and so it's funny when people like would review and it's just like he's got this totally strange way of thinking and using all these samples and it was just like part of like a internet competition you know right Right. so there was like stuff like that but then there were like the first kind of first kind of solo records where i'm rapping where i was like really happy about it you know where it was like my my, the first stuff where i rapped over my own beats really you know and like some of those records like eight ounces is one of those ones which which is which is a cool track that um some it's amazing people still hit me up about the tracks from that that release and you know came out in like 2005 beginning of 2005 yeah um but yeah like that song black hand is on there Oliver square um i'm pretty sure sharks is on there and those are those are like the kind of Things that led me into my album, like those were the first few tracks that I had recorded and that I had like finished, semi-finished versions back from the studio because I, I recorded all of Breaking Kayfabe in the summer. All I, I recorded all the vocals for that album in one session
2: yeah.
1: in the summer of 2004 between semesters in the states when I was in in Virginia. In oh, New you recorded University. It in the US. No, no, I recorded in, came in, in it back in Edmonton when I returned. I see. So I, on my summer vacation, I, I went to Nick Kozum's studio, Zonic Studios, and with him and my uncle, Brett Miles. And okay. I went in and I just like crushed for like an entire day. It was like, I had a lot of pent up energy. Yeah. From just being in school and stuff. And I was like, let me do this. So like I recorded everything in one go.
0: So you did Cadence Weapon is the Black Hand and you recorded that did you re-record everything for the Breaking Kayfabe then? Uh, no,
1: no, no. Like some of those are the same vocals, That's the they same sounded recordings. the Same to me. They are the same, but um, I think they were mixed a bit differently, you know. And then they got mastered like all together, so there's yeah. like a bit of a different sound to them. Yeah. But um, I mean, the thing with the the, the Black Hand that record, like, I only put it together, um, to make money initially. Right. Because <laughs> I was, I just dropped out of university. Okay. And so I was like, I uh, was super broke. I was back uh, sleeping on my mom's couch and uh, I needed to, you know, I, I wanted to put something together that I could like promote my, what I'd been making. Cause I was like, I basically had an ultimatum for my mom to be like, you have to make this music thing work within a year or or you have to go back to school. So I was like, okay, like, let me go super hard. So like I booked a show with my uncle at the Sidetrack Cafe. It was like the first time I ever played a show, really. Yeah. And that was in like January of 2005. Okay. And around the same time, I, 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 I was like furiously uh, putting together all the remixes and like the bootlegs and those tracks I'd recorded in the summer and just like little ideas and that became the black hand, you know? So like, I just burnt a bunch of CDRs. I started sending the digital files out to everybody I could online yeah. and, um, yeah, 2005. Up... Yeah. Shit. Really? Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was earlier than that. No, because, uh, t- to, yeah because my because brain k came out in December 2005 right and okay. then and so and uh, black hand came out uh, before that in in the beginning of 2005 and because I was in school the whole time the previous year right and right and before that I was not really like making records yet like I was making kind of like whatever kind of stuff you know
0: so Okay. So when I, I came, I came to Edmonton one time and and I met you in person, obviously I probably had, you know, email with you or whatever. And you're like, I I went to your house and you're like, don't come until after lost is over. I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't, I was like, I'm going to come by at eight. And you're like, don't come at eight, come at nine. Cause lost is on. I was like, all right. So I come by at nine and so I'm trying to figure out when that was. I, it just seems like I'm almost done touring by 2005. Like I was almost. So
1: then, because okay, so what? I was living with some other kids. I think or was so. I yeah. Like, with my no,
0: mom? I don't think so. I came in and in the living room, you had like a computer in the corner and like a box of records and a really minimal setup, and it didn't look like your mom's place.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I had just moved out. uh That would have been 2005. Wow. That would have been 2005, and the, and I think the show. The shows I recall, I went and saw you and Bird Bird of Prey on the Nothing Is Cool tour. I played with you. I opened for you on that show. And previously, I had gone and seen uh, Pipskid and John Smith um, on the Hip Hop Wieners tour.
0: Okay. So I must be confusing and thinking I was with John Smith in Edmonton, but it would have been with Bird. Definitely, definitely,
1: okay. and I remember that because then, yeah, because I was playing sh- I, before when we were emailing. I hadn't even really played shows that much. Like right. one of the f- one of the first shows that I can really recall being like a big audience is when I went. W- Epic took me. Yeah. To uh, Saskatoon. Right. And I had a bunch of shows. I played a show there with him and like thesis sahib and Soso and all those dudes and Factor. And then I also played a show with, uh, it was the Taking Care of Business tour.
0: Yeah, with Bastard and Pippin and and Smitty.
1: Yeah, and I remember like I, that was like, my show was like super hectic and frantic and like I didn't know how to play yet, but it was like one of the first (laughs) big shows I played. And that would have been still in, 2005 my record wouldn't be out yet my album wouldn't wasn't out yet
0: so you put out the cdr and you hustled and you sold copies and then you made it you got to deal with upper class so how did that happen
1: okay so all around that time when i'd like dropped out of school and i'm just like at my mom's place i was like heavy on the internet you know that was my big thing Is like i was I, I had a music blog that was yeah. like actually pretty popular What was that it was called, called again? Ra- it was called razor blade runner right Right. Okay. And also the year before, initially, how I first talked to you was because I was writing for Pitchfork. Yes. yes. While I was in college. And I was.
0: You reviewed a couple of our records.
1: I did. And um, I was like 18 years old. Right? right. And so I was doing that around the same time that I was like recording my first album and stuff. So um, back in 2005, I sent my song Oliver Square to this blogger. Um, Matthew Perpetua, who has this site called Flux Blog, uh-huh. which is, he calls it, it's basically the first, ev- the, the oldest music mp3 blog, right? Okay. And he put it on that blog, and I got so much response from it, it was insane. I got, that's how Upper Class hit me up, uh, that's how I got to do a Lady Sovereign remix, you know, she yeah. was a big UK grime rapper back then. And that was, like, my first rap money that was, like, su- somewhat substantial that I ever got. Right. Was was off of getting posted on a blog. And then that's how I started getting, like, press in Edmonton. Because, like, I hadn't gotten any press locally no, at all. No, that's how it, it works always. Right. I know. It's a bit of a classic, right? You know, it's got to be somebody else before where you're from. Yeah,
0: local boy makes good elsewhere. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So then I... Started getting local press and then uh, Pitchfork reviewed the Black Hand mixtape and it was reviewed pretty favorably. And so I had like a really good mail order thing going for my CDRs. Yeah. And yeah, and then I signed the deal with Upper Class and then I released, I started playing all these festivals. Like I played like CMJ. Um, I played, this was like also the first times I ever left Edmonton, really. Yeah substantially like uh left the prairies was when I signed the deal. I started playing in Toronto. I played like um CMJ. I played uh Pop Montreal. I think I played Wavelength like
0: so who's getting yeah. you these shows? Is it the label? Is it you? Or do you have a manager?
1: No, this was, well the label they also managed me. Okay. At the same time. So they were putting all that together and um Yeah, it it really felt like it was working. I was getting a lot of press in Toronto, like when my record came out, I got reviewed like the Globe and Mail and stuff. Uh, I I did this, uh, there was a feature written about me in McLean's magazine, where I was an example of like the new wave of people, uh, amateur bedroom musicians who can just upload their album. And it was like this whole new thing, I was just like, he's like a bedroom rapper or whatever. so yeah
0: let's play a song another song this is this is probably my favorite song from from the two records because it's on both records um and i remember just kind of gushing over it to you when i heard it so this is julie will jump the broom this is this is the joint Mm -hmm. i really like let's let's listen Mm -hmm. to it
1: The day I wasn't booked for, glad that I'd been there, glad that we met. I saw her pre-work with a snappling hand, and a smirk to her assumed kindness. Just declining a bum. But I thought it was the grandest message event a man was ever to get. But I was glad to be there, glad to have seen it. That the woman was around to receive this anonymous compliment from a minimum wage trip store. person, person hurtling some talk about albums. She was vaguely Seattle. Killed rock stars seven inches, but killed the Tigra. All those metal digits, fine, every co rubber had purpose. And yes, I believe she's a good person. Broom jumping and all, she would fall with another. But yes, I believe it can feel certain. I have a girl that loves me and it seems to agree with So when I heard the news that truly came to me with I probably had my shot, it was just the wrong season Now she's the room with that man with the reasons I once got a letter about her, me and garden weddings It was her business, she's out with hard settings Now she's a month pregnant and happy with pills So the baby stays up, she'll be happier still With a man who fucked up and lucked out Life's crazy, my life's lazy with this haze red Violet thick, and I'll always stay the same. Forced to grow up quick, fast track, speed and thick, and I'm not paying it. Julie, thanks for relaying it. I guarantee that never be transcended enough. I'm just saying shit. Yeah, maybe in a different life.
0: Yeah, that's, that's my joint right there. I don't even know want, want to know what you sample for that. It sounds like you know, it could have been anything. It, it,
1: you know, I listen to so much music, man. And I still am the same way today. But back when I was younger, I was like obsessively listening to everything you could possibly imagine, right? Yeah. And that was how I was starting to get a lot of the samples that I would choose were things like nobody would ever consider, you know? And uh, so that particular sample actually was Big Star. Okay. That band. And uh, I think it was a song Holocaust. Yes, and uh, you'd you'd have no idea like the way I flipped it. I was like very, very proud of myself with that particular beat, you know. And I I think you you know, like yeah, I don't
0: know it. it. Although I don't know it, but well, that's the thing is like meeting you and stuff because you know by this time, two thousand five, two thousand six, I've been you know producing for like 15 years and it's like i've got all these rules like you don't sample off youtube you don't you don't sample mp3s like you know all this stuff that's just kind of anti-creative right and you and you know yeah then you kind of i kind of look at you like not not the next generation but the next half generation or something like certainly like you're kind of like fuck that like just oh
1: my my record has no hardware yeah at all it was a digital record completely sampling mp3s like the thing with me is like obviously I came up in the internet era and like I grew up with a computer in my house all the time and I used to teach myself how to make beats with like some of these early beats I use just the Windows sound recorder program that comes with Windows 95 like you're not even (laughs) supposed to make beats with that Yeah, you know well that's the thing When
0: when I met you after Lost that day it was like there's a computer and there's like maybe a dozen records and and it's just like clearly not like the studio that i was used to seeing or a work setup like a hip-hop work setup where you know we would have a basement with you know three thousand records and all this shit and you're just like a laptop i just need a laptop or whatever it was a desktop at the time but you know yeah yeah i think i
1: i had like a hewlett-packard like desktop at that time yeah yeah. I mean, for me, it was all about like rawness, you know, and just like it's letting the intention get through in the record. And I was like, I wanted it to feel like very, um, immediate, you know? And I feel like just the process was like quick, quick, quick and dirty, yeah. you know, but, um, It's but, like, dirty. So... It's dope.
0: And, and of course I got to give you props cause you've always just been a really good writer. Like at the end of the day, just been a dope rap writer. And I think you've you. got a great voice and all that as well. So it's just like, That's why, that's why, segue, segue, this is what I do, I'm a professional, Uh, is is I was eager to work with you myself um, when I started to hear some of these songs, these real songs that you were writing, and so I talked you into jumping on a record I was working on called Mastermind, and so we did this song together, so let's check this one out, this is called Centrifuge by McEnroe featuring Cadence Weapon.
2: Never seem to mention you Throw it all in the centrifuge Didn't end like you meant to do Ain't no door to even enter through Keep spinning, the weak tin men Seek to keep a bull from a rust eats in them Each instance, bleak visions Meek inheritance to keep the distance I'm still broke, ask
1: Columbia about Killer Coke My labor days have better beats Keep it like a secret built to spill the disease As a North Texas resident, I'm born to scream Gunrunners better put their hands up Drug dealers better put their grams up Conservatives get to cook their plans up While liberals rook and get their books dismantled Big boxes get hands shook with handles From the gun in the mouth of new slavery scandals Convention of convincing what a hallmark of the market Money made him hungry for a bucket of the ducats The skin came off when he cut it And it tastes like chicken Cause his business is thick for the plucking When
2: you break an artist, what bones are in the way? How can you think a Talking with no homies on display. Funny how they never seem to mention you. Throw it all in the centrifuge. Didn't end like you meant to do. Ain't no door to even enter through. Keep spinning the weak ten men. Seek to keep a bull from a rusty tin them. Each instance, bleak visions, meek inheritance to keep the distance. The
1: bomb is set, riggers with the promise of dread. Out trigger, I'm the nigga from the dawn of the dead. Not the new one, it's not as gruesome. My mark, they know the harp is like newsome. If you don't hark, the gun's a spark, like Tesla. Tighter than the panic room and money mark. That dude from the dogs on TV, CBC. Bullshit, I don't buy it like an EP. Believe me, they paid for their riches. They be the same lanes that Complain about the names of the bitches Clip by the clip, they got clippings on their fridges With the name in the corner just underneath your image And a rape president said the biggest rims ever So Ben hurry up if ties you hope to sever That eye in the sky just projects their hunger They roam barbecues for the headless gunner
2: Funny how they never seem to mention you Throw it all in the centrifuge Didn't end like you meant to do no door to even enter through Keep spinning, the weak ten men Seek to keep a bull from While rusty eats in them Each instance, bleak visions Meek inheritance to keep the distance And I wanna give some shout out Cadence Weapon, Edmonton, Alberta Josh Martinez, Vancouver, BC Berta Frey, East fan I wanna give shout outs my crew, Pipskid, John Smith, Gruff, Yai, DJ Honeycut, Brandon, Manitoba, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Richmond, BC. Good times, man, good times.
0: I want to take that shout out to Richmond, BC back. I don't represent richmond bc anymore <laughs> nice
1: yo that's that's crazy to listen to that again man because it's like i know when i recorded uh, the verses for that it was like um you asking me to do something it was like it was like the rizza asking me to like do a track or something it was like <laughs> i i gotta like knock this out of the park you, <laughs> you know did. I, I, was, I
0: i think i got the verses i i can't i can't even i can't i can't hang you know like you're on a level that i was just not on At you know like
1: oh it was vibey though i i thought it was awesome like it reminded me of one of those kind of one of those like souls of mischief tracks or something that are like really like down tempo yeah you know like
0: yeah oh i love the song i love the song but i was like am i gonna actually kick a verse on this one you did two really strong verses like you don't need i didn't even need to do a verse i just did the hook
1: you know what I also I gotta say this because like I when I listen back to that it reminds me of something that history may forget my 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 voice the way I was rapping at that time how how low pitched the voice was if you listen to that you listen to the beats I was making I was on that Tyler the Creator sound yeah. already I was on the Earl Sweatshirt sound like years before yeah yeah I just gotta say it because it's like listening to that shit I'm like it sounds like them yeah you know like I'll trigger I'm that nigga from the dawn of the dead not the new one it's not it's gruesome
0: <laughs> Woof.
1: I, I was wildin
0: yeah that's good it's really good um,
1: and you know it, uh, honestly I really appreciate you um, asking me to jump on a track with you and also getting me to jump on that posse cut on the park life setting
0: well record. I want to pl- play that track next okay because okay. Cause there's like I, all those people I just shouted out at the end of that track are pretty much all on this track. And it's kind of wild to think. I mean, I'm not saying that we're, you know, I mean, there's a lot of rap experience on there and you're just in there and kind of your, you know, like your first year of actually putting out records. It's two, This is all 2005 where you put out your mixtape and you're jumping on my Mastermind uh, CD and you're jumping on this park-like setting. This is all 2005. So, like, instantly you're on tracks with with you know a lot of guys who've done a paid a lot of dues in in canada you know what i mean so let's just check this track out this is called eight bars each uh with well i'll see if i can run down everybody after the track but let's take take a listen
1: okay folks next up standard potty cut straightforward eight bars each you're up first rest you guys
3: watch with your eyes not with your mouth here we go
4: Like, woo, I think they got that rich, nah, but I got the itch. Just haven't caught that fish. Make sure the spot got squished. Storm the stuff to rough, you can hack it. Show business. A tough racket like trying to fit a 12 in your jacket yeah you may steal the safe but can't crack i it. catch a breath at the pls rest stop another guest drop fresh and hot heating from the bread shop drew it done my dance fat incantations on plants and habitats and having revelations on how i get crazier hating being broke going loony for my tunes making bread but hardly dope all my bros call me diesel spinning like a crooked wheel how i feel getting older giving microphones a zeal you're, you're so, so shit i don't, don't know, know what to call you must have figured out Yourself. You're not a halfway to are you? You're just done, I'm not gonna argue And don't wanna see you fronting when we pump up the you Your rhymes are nothing new, even your best one Mine ain't in a rhyming dictionary, I check one Get some direction, that's for the record guy. break, bread, saddle, paint, show some respect It's a dirty Tabasco sauce, the toilet on a string fruity monoliths get flush when they sing Pitch, satchel, the perfect pitch No Alex, your bath in the permanent ditch You remember that pitch? Cleveland, Maryland, PT on the RT with the so E, red stripe and care ribbon hand. Smash you in the face if we ain't red dragons. Uncontrollable, uh-huh. unstoppable. Evil's jumping on every posse cut possible. So let's go. That's the M O. Uh-huh. Fuck a demo. Yeah. I'm throwing bricks through your limo window. My 16s are grimy, my 8s are grit. Labels won't sign me, they scared of catching a break. I said,
2: don't worry, mister. My CD will ship, it Come won't on. sit. Drop dog, cause I'm the number one pig. Yeah. Can't roll deep as a two man crew. Wag beats call slow. Never to dance to Maybe shoulda tried for the blue man group Or else a life of crime like Fu Manchu Money on my mind, I might seem kinda lost yo When it comes time, I write like Steven Bochco Gonna dine on samples at Costco Suckers wanna rhyme like the champ, it's impossible You're all blinded, is that what you call rhyming?
4: Might as well pass this mic to Paul Simon Your cracked out crew gets as skinny as toothpicks Youth quits on you, make sure that the news fits My usage on promos is salty I'm ruthless. You? You're Yomo and Malky. Lacking the sales. Rap lacking your stale. Like Terry B's steezers. She was black in a mail.
1: Gun talk is not me, but please tell these rapping ass. Cause some cats will put the iron on you like a jacket patch. Caters masticates. Other rappers masturbate. I dunk on punks. Get posterized like masturbate. We trash your states with graffiti and massive crates. Blast your face. My style's mint. Like an after eight. Book em. Club rap seeks the chorus hookers. I'm in the game young like Steve Morris. Park likes Life. the group. Break brand of the fam, our lives
4: the booth, we already made the band, drafting, plans be craftsmen, low posted, elbows thrashing, about to splashing. no hopeless, dope south, slope over the past crib, blankets, booze a bullhorn in the bathroom, run PNC, taking it back to, Aerosmith banging on the wall, about to crash through,
0: okay, very nice, you got that, that's a wrap, so just you time, seats on the way out, thanks guys. That's eight bars each. That's park like setting. The rappers are Pipskid, Gruff, Yai, Nestor Windrush, Evil Ebenezer, McEnroe, Bird of Prey, Cadence Weapon, and John Smith. Nine rappers in three minutes and 20 seconds. Pretty good.
1: That's amazing. You know, it's, for me to be on the same track as like you, Bird of Prey, John Smith, Pipskid, to me that was like being on like the scenario remix or something. Yeah. You know, like I was like, wow, I'm on like the with the heavy hitters right now.
0: And you brought it. You're right in there. It's not like we've we've done stuff over the years with people we liked or whatever. And it's like, oh, they're not, you know, like we've had tracks with people like, yeah, you're not ready to be on a posse cut with us, or whatever, but you're you're right in there, right? Like dope dope eight bars.
1: Yeah, I came with the heat. I was like, I, I got to, you know, I always I always put a lot of pressure on myself to come like on features in particular to come with, with the heat, you know, it's like, I gotta know, I gotta let people know, you know, that I I belong, you know, and I, I, the very end of that verse too, it's just like, I'm in the game young, like Steve Wynn Morris, you know, that's like Stevie, (laughs) Stevie wonder's real name. And and that's how I felt. And it was like really cool that you guys gave me the chance to be on a track like that. So, so early in my career.
0: Well, you know, you belonged, no question. So, tell me more about what was happening after 2005 your record comes out on upper class and um, you know the next track i have is basically from the next record which is 2008 from mm-hmm. after party Babies. so what happened between like 2000 and you know your record comes out late you said december 2005 and so you're being represented by upper class and they're putting they're sending you on festivals you're just living the life or what's happening
1: uh, yeah well it was really like my life changed dramatically really quickly you know it was like i shot all those music videos like for sharks and black hand and um i was touring a lot you know i, I, I went to europe for the first time ever and that was really amazing yeah. and you know i ended up getting new all these other distribution deals like i was like on anti records in the states and big data in the uk and they were really instrumental in promoting my music like i know um big data reissued um both my first two albums um and then had me just going crazy in the uk like playing all these shows with diplo and stuff and you know i met roots manuva and then and like i ended up i had just all these insane experiences very quickly in my career you know yeah. like i played like all these big festivals in canada too but it's like the stuff in europe really blew me away cuz i got to like play with public enemy in ireland right you know and and like got to meet chuck d you know who's just kind of like the architect of my style you know and it's yeah. just so I, I, it felt like every day I was having a crazy experience like that. But at the same time, I was also kind of struggling with, you know, the fact that I had come out of this underground rap scene in Edmonton where I definitely wasn't really a part of any crew. I didn't really sound like anybody else. And, you know, I was just doing my own thing and just kind of like dealing with becoming like, somewhat famous or whatever and it it was weird it was weird like going to the local bars and people like kind of like pointing and whispering at me or just kind of being
0: yeah like like on that on that note you're you you basically been a solo artist from day one like my whole thing we always started in my era as a group. You always, like you didn't start as a, you never started as a solo rapper in the early nineties, right? So, but you started as a solo rapper from the get-go. Did you ever have a crew uh, at those, di- those days? Were you working with other guys um, or other people and then and then decided to do your own thing? Or what is the sort of genesis there? Or were you always just, Raleigh, I do my own thing?
1: I was, I was always by myself, but I mean, I, I did link up with DJ Weasel. You know yeah. and he he ended up becoming my dj he was also really the way that i i kind of broke into the scene and got to know some of the other people because he was already quite well known before oh, yeah. I, I got there
0: you only have to meet him once dj weasel he's a legend <laughs> yes
1: definitely a legend yeah <laughs> but you know i would do little tracks here and there with people like i, I did stuff with um uh low low budget affiliates you know and yeah. um i felt like um I, I really liked uh touching nato a lot right those those guys like nato he ended up recording my whole second album
3: the and, after party uh, he, babies album
1: after party babies and yeah. he and he did a, a beat on there as well and um so I, I i had like connections to the scene but i ultimately always felt like this kind of you know especially the kind of beats i was making Yeah. Like, i and I, I honestly felt like i hung out with so many people in the kind of like indie rock scene at the time and kinda, Yeah. You know, experimental electronic scene. Like, I felt like musically what I was doing was really closer to there. Yeah. You know? And, but I still felt like I was like too hip hop for the indie scene and too indie for the hip hop scene. Right. So I was just like on my dolo for a really long time. But it, it you know, it wasn't that bad because it was going really well. Yeah. That was the thing. It's like me just doing this thing just totally by myself was just like, Really blowing up beyond anything I had really imagined specifically. I had no specific um, vision of how it would go, but I I knew what I was doing was interesting. That was the big thing. It's like when I was in university, one of the main reasons why I dropped out was like I was really obsessed with this idea that somebody would come out with a record like mine before me. I see. You know? Yeah. Right? And I was just like, I've got to do this, I've got to put out something really soon. Right, you know, you know, or, or I'm gonna like you know lose my chance whatever, right, yeah well,
0: that's interesting, uh so then you started working on this second album what were you what were you thinking about like um obviously, you've had some success and you're doing some you know, you're seeing a lot, basically, you know, just from my point of view, it's like you know we thought about how you could be on peanuts and corn and then probably a year later it's like oh no he would never be on peanuts and corn because he's you know what i mean like he's playing with public enemy in europe like that's not he's well beyond our level in like just a year so what's going through your mind as far as getting ready for doing a new record and and all that kind of thing
1: well for me you know i was really getting into djing at that time you know Mm -hmm. and i I was getting more answers just like collecting records and learning how to mix, but like playing a lot of like electronic music, like house yeah. and techno and I was I re- re- really discovering that on a really large scale level. I was really influenced by Nick Kozub for that. Like he, he had a DJ night in Edmonton um, at this place called the Victory Lounge that's now Bricks. Barn Grill, and it's uh, the the basement club below the Starlight Room. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, yeah, he used to have a Thursday night DJ night there, and uh, I used to go and he just played all this crazy electronic music, and it was just like so inspiring to me, and especially going to Europe and stuff, going to Berlin, going to London, and all these places, and soaking in this kind of different music culture. Um, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to try my hand at absorbing these different sounds into my music right? right so that was that was like kind of the vision was i would soundtrack all these stories about my friends or just my experiences in in the music scene or just like things that i've been thinking about culture or whatever but i would soundtrack them with you know club beats yeah. you know every track was going to be my version of like a house track or something right you know? And, and thinking back now, obviously, this seems like a really weird decision because my last record was very successful and I should have just done the exact same thing like lots of people do. Like, yeah. they have one thing that works and they just keep doing it over and over. Yeah. But um, I think early out, I decided that I didn't want to do the same thing twice ever. Great. Right. And I was just like, let me just follow my inspiration and yeah. just kind of just you know do what i feel like doing which is like i just wanted to dance i want to make and, and when i listen back to the record also it it doesn't sound like normal house music or techno or anything it just sounds like really weird yeah you know and it's like i don't think it even like functionally works for the kind of music i was trying to do right but but it it's cool because it just became its own thing
0: and so were you kind of a club kid like did you go out A lot like you mentioned the thursday nights were you out all the time or
1: yeah i I was becoming like a raver
3: yeah
0: right
1: (laughs) yeah like i i go uh for all different music too like i would go to this club halo and um they had these mod club nights where they would play all um brit pop and uh northern soul and like all this old uk music and new wave and stuff and it was like really kind of the first time that I was hearing a lot of music yeah. and I would just go there every week and I was just like hang out by the DJ booth and just like stare at them, you know, it was like Travi D and uh, Blue Jay and All I would right. just like stare at them and hang out in the booth and be like, hey guys, what are you doing? You know, and I was just kind of becoming really interested in that DJ lifestyle, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, let's listen to a track. Um, I was kind of drawn to this one. Partly because of the title, because I want you to elaborate on it. Let's listen to what this is called: Unsuccessful Club Nights. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's I mess a party like a girl i slept with That is now with the man of the house Blue routes are directed I get played out like underground rap I wonder if you understand facts I'm not worried them is but sometimes I try I'm not a good self promoter I held a certain order For my tracks and the way I select them I clean off my records in an effort to protect them I soak off my labels when I pull them from the store And I got kicks, but I could use more I play the bass shit because it's simply booms, But it gets hard playing for an empty room While it is a Tuesday that should be no excuse Working people are dying to let loose. I turn the lowest high with a knob in the booth. I'm honest, I'm telling the whole truth. Cause my night ain't good, so my nights get worse. My night ain't good, so my nights get worse. My night ain't good, so my nights get worse. I play for nobody. I know that love works. Cause my night ain't good, so my nights get worse. My night ain't good, so my nights get worse. My night ain't good, so my nights get worse. I play for nobody. Too drunk to fuck, I get too thunk to think. The rockers love me, I put dust in their drinks When I pump in the dance punk numbers that bleed off the Richter I'm a man about needs like checkers I jump for practical records With that music, collecting grey by the day I'm paper play with a focus on a former And I keep a metal box, it's filled with four quarters Like John Rotten, I switch styles with the ear With an awkward mix, I think i in the clear I hold dear the tracks that break the rocks They got me like, see shake your butts the sign of like Pharaoh, pull a rapper's guard like tarot. Hit, girl, hit the grip, on am head. G barrel. I'm posted up like a scarecrow. Play a couple of around the bow like Marrow. My night ain't good, so my nights get worse. My night ain't good, so my nights get worse. My night ain't good, so my nights get worse. I play for nobody. I know the love her. Cause my night, good, so my, my night ain't good, so my nights get worse. My night ain't good. So my nights get worse. My night ain't good. So my nights get worse, I play for nobody. I write rhymes, I don't write checks Cover your fucking mouth if you see me on the decks I start off my set with some real soft numbers Like rounded off Sesame Street I'm, I'm pressing, pressing the, the beats And I care just a bit of the old one-two Before they get unimpressed by the whole damn run-through But when I go out, I confuse myself I only really dance the songs that expound about wealth So since so it's the first step in a long combination It takes a dude, it's even more to make a movement You'll get laid like a truant And try to set the songs to the future You're still the Decepticon Where's the history? Where's the identity? By their heart, but all it's run is less sleep, boss to a flame, they run out to the light. That's why nobody goes to a successful club. Night. So my night ain't good, so my nights get worse. My night ain't good. So my nights get worse. My night ain't good. So my nights get worse. I play for nobody. I know they love her. Cause my good, so my, my night ain't good, so my nights get worse. My night ain't good. So my nights get worse. My night ain't good. So my nights get worse. I play for nobody. Tuesday night, beat. Beat. Oh, this is a test. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Support your local DJ. So thank you for coming to my night. Baby. DJ K-12. Weasel! Hey.
0: When you get weasel in the studio did you pull him into the studio or does he just you yes. the cuts no so that, was, it, in stu- so that was in the studio so you pull him into the studio so where did you record that record in we, that edmonton? was at
1: nato's that oh. was in edmonton at, the entire uh, album Arms. you
0: recorded at, at nato's place
1: yes yes
0: and so is is, is how's weasel in the studio Is he weasel, weasel
1: he 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 just tries a bunch of different things and he, he the thing about weasel he's he's a genius man yeah you know like it's like he would just come up with the weirdest shit and i think i was the kind of person who was always down to do something weird yeah <laughs> so we were actually a really amazing combo that way right you know like i always felt like he was kind of like the flavor flave to my chuck d you yeah. know yeah and so yeah when we when we did this record he got more involved in the cuts like he did a lot of cuts on my first album yeah but um he got more it felt like it's almost like the sample collage element to the way he was putting together the cuts
0: yeah it's not just the, one thing it's a whole bunch of things right
1: no it, it really helps tell the story a lot but with this particular record um this is what it's about unsuccessful club nights i had a okay. dj night um at the same club as Nikosa at victory lounge it was yeah. called Um, the youth beat and it was a Tuesday night DJ night that I had kind of hustled my way into getting despite not really knowing how to DJ at the time (laughs) and I basically used it just to like, you know, I'd make like 50 bucks a night or something and get people to come through. I made posters with a bunch of pictures of my face on them and back then it was like you could get drinks for like $2.50 so some people would come through
0: so this is around the time you're working on this record like 2007 or earlier It was a bit
1: earlier yeah, yeah. it would have been like it, it, like I had already been I had somewhat name recognition from my records yeah enough that I could get people to come out to the club because I was there right. So this would have been like 2006, 2007, I had this night and it was very hit and miss. It is true. It was not a super successful club night. Right. No. And so uh, this was kind of, this album is where I really get into something that became like a real hallmark of my songwriting, which is a lot of kind of uh, satirical, sardonic kind of uh, characterization of different. People and different situations, so it's like I wrote this from the perspective of like an unsuccessful DJ or something, you know. Yeah. And I wanted it, but I wanted it to be kind of like tongue in cheek, like self-deprecating, and um, and I, I wanted the song to sound like a party. So when I'm like making the beat, it's like I wanted it, it to me like it sounds like it's, it could have been it's like a Coke commercial or something, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like it's like just has that like hyper energy, and uh, yeah, I just wanted to kind of harness like the, the the feeling that I, I had from a lot of the records that I was into at that time you know like I was really into ours like uh, Basement Majax and Daft Punk and I, I love the kind of adventurous nature of a lot of the uh, the club music that was happening like all the Holotronic stuff like I used to go on their message board and just get all these remixes and edits and stuff and like some of the stuff I made on this record actually started off as remixes for other songs and then i just took out the vocal and then i was like oh let let me make a track out of this for myself
0: right so so just to just to jump back when you were in school and university what were you what were you studying journalism journalism right um and so you were writing you were writing and rapping and then at what point did where is journalism now like obviously you're going to be writing you know, when we'll get into what your, your, some of your writing going, but is, is journalism part of, cause you actually started out with the blog and you were writing for Pitchfork. Mm-hmm. And then once you got going as an artist and you had a couple of records out, did you, did you still, were you doing any journalism as far as music journalism or any other kind of stuff?
1: I actually was, yeah. Like just locally in Edmonton. I wrote for the all weeklies, um, V weekly and C magazine. Yeah, And so like, I would sometimes like write, you know, tour, journals and stuff and uh i do little reviews here and there and just different kind of features i had a couple i had a music column and i had like a tv column like i'm still pretty active writing right but um eventually it became just like the music was taking up too much time so i wasn't really able to do it as much but um i've been exploring it more i think in my music though i always saw myself as being kind of like a journalist Uh uh-huh you know, like I, I would examine these topics and really try to, to reach them from as many different perspectives as possible and really dissect them.
0: Right. Uh, so, okay. So you do your second album after party babies, it comes out, what happens?
1: Well, it it, uh, it wasn't as well received as the first album because okay. right? it was completely different and, uh, wasn't really what people were expecting. I think a lot of like hip hop heads uh, had, weird like they didn't really understand what I was trying to do yeah or whatever or they didn't they they thought it wasn't like really rap music at all which it was pretty weird yeah I I remember I think um somebody told me this I could be wrong but um yeah they were talking to MERS and he was like oh yeah like Caden's Weapon yeah I was gonna buy his album and then I saw all the white people on the front (laughs) there's too many white people on the front. When you look at the cover, I have like, this kind of like a high school.
0: Yeah. It looks uh, like a class photo or something. class
1: photo. And it was just like all my friends and like all your I friends in, in Edmonton. In, in Edmonton. Yeah. It was right. in the basement of the black dog. We took okay. the photo Okay. and uh, all a bunch of like local rappers. I knew, you know, like, um, uh, Corvid Lorax and touch is there and NATO. And you know, some of the homies, right? Uh, conspiracy is on the cover.
3: Oh, conspiracy's up in there. <laughs>
1: my one of my favorite artists ever yeah yeah
0: legend Mm -hmm. uh okay so it comes out and um so it it comes out and you say like there wasn't quite the same um reception as from your first record but are you still like are you touring and are you still getting some of these festivals and still things still popping in that respect
1: oh it, it was going way crazier than ever yeah, that like I, I was playing some of the most crazy festivals. I, I played Lollapalooza, I played Glastonbury, uh, Roskilda. I was just touring the world that entire year. I had like, it was crazy because like it was like at, at home, I felt like I, I, I had no life. Yeah. Right. But then I would be traveling and doing all this like crazy worldly shit. And it was just like playing huge festivals with insane amount of people.
0: And so I imagine that this, like this sound that you've kind of developed, you know, more clubby, rappy, I don't even know what to call it because that's not, that's not even fair. But, you know, you've got, you went for something with this After Party Babies and I would think it would probably hit pretty well live with the energy.
1: Yeah, it it worked really well live. Like, um, I feel like that's when my live show really started getting good was when I had these more energetic tracks that were kind of more you know, audience friendly in that way. And I feel like, um, I had a lot of fun shows back then, you know, I'd be running in the crowd, like high-fiving people and, you know, climbing on top of stuff. Weasel would be climbing up to the top of like a, a scaffolding of some building and jumping off. Like it was, it was like mayhem. It was like, there was kind of a punk feeling to it.
0: So you and Weasel are out just you're you're going to all these crazy shows and festivals how's the life like are you broke are you paid are you somewhere in between where are you staying are you people on people's are you people on people's couches are you in nice hotels are you getting taken care of are you flying first class like tell like you got to understand is i've never done any kind of this shit that you're talking about right like i've done about one one hundredth of it so you gotta like you gotta scoop me in
1: no, because, okay, so it was like, we were, we'd be flying to places and stuff, and it would, it, we would have a lot of the trappings of something that, that was like a legit, uh, rapper tour feeling yeah. thing, Yeah, but we were, we were like broke, right. absolutely, we were like not getting... Money And then this was around the time when I started realizing like maybe something kind of funny was going on with the label.
3: Yeah, You
1: know, because it was kind of like, you know, I toured so extensively. I played so many shows and no matter what I wasn't getting paid for these shows. You know, like I I was like, it, it, it was always some excuse like, oh, we got to pay off stuff for the record. We got to pay off. Like somebody else has always got to get paid, but it was never me, you know? And then it got to the point where it created a lot of tension between me and Weasel where, he, uh, he was, this was such a different era. We were bringing a lot of equipment with us everywhere. Like, yeah. we were bringing, like, uh, he would bring two turntables and a mixer with yeah. him everywhere, right? Yeah, and, well, and, and crates of records and stuff. And this was like Serato was just starting. Like, yeah. it was like not, you know. And then there was this one incident when we played a show in Europe. And um, he went to plug his mixer in without the appropriate plug changing thing. Yeah. And it like fried his rain mixer. Oh no. And so he tried to um, get the label to pay for that. And they they wouldn't. And so yeah, that became a thing where he wasn't getting paid. I wasn't getting paid. And they were like taking the expense of the mixer out of like what he was owed. And it was getting into this kind of like... He he was getting really frustrated about it, and uh, and kind of taking it out on me, and then like he was, you know, he was he had been gone from his girlfriend for a long time and stuff, and like there was some issues with that. Yeah. So it was like it it was like not chill at all a lot of the time on that tour. Like I, I look back now and I realize I didn't really appreciate what was happening at the time. Yeah, because it's like I realize now like I had a really great situation. Like, I had a sick booking agent at the time in Europe. And I, you know, there were some like miscues that we made, like, just for the touring decisions. Like, I toured with a lot of rock bands. Yeah. And the idea was like, okay, he's like this indie rapper or whatever, right? but um these audiences they don't change over back then it wasn't like everybody listens to rap right like yeah. it was it was a different era people didn't have streaming people weren't listening to every kind of music right so it was like the first 5 songs i play like people have to understand i'm rapping and it's a different kind of music and plus it's like different kind of rap on top of that so it was like so much extra work um, so I would be touring with bands like Born Ruffians and, uh, Owen Pallet I toured with, like, and it was just kind of like, there was a disconnect with the audience, you know, yeah. and it was just kind of like a bit of a waste of time. I really wasted a period of time when I was like really popping that I could've been playing with like the right people and it just it was just, you know, it's funny how like these little mistakes, like. Can, can happen you know and, and it was like in the aftermath of the whole weasel thing like I ended up going to Europe with uh, Scratch Bastard yeah. DJing with me and that was like a really great experience but then after that tour I think that would have been in the fall of 2008 2009 a lot changed for me because I became poet laureate of Edmonton right Right. And that was like something that kind out of came out of the blue because I was getting to the point where I, after I had toured, I traveled the world, I seen a lot. Um, I was feeling like I wasn't really super welcome in Edmonton, you know? Okay. Like I didn't really feel, I didn't feel like and it wasn't even like the scene specifically, but it was like people in town. You know, like it was like I'd go to the bar, and like there was one time this woman just came up to me, and she was just like, "What are you doing here?" Hmm. And I'm, and I'm like, "Oh no, I'm just here with my friends, whatever." And she's like, "No, why are you still living in Edmonton? What are you trying to be? You know, like a big fish in a small pond." Oh, yeah. I see. Right, and it's just like, "Oh, sorry for existing," you know. Right. Yeah, and it was like stuff like that would happen all the time, hmm. right? So it was like I don't know. I felt like people were just kind of uneasy with like me uh in general and then there was a, an event that happened where somebody just i was walking down the street i was talking to a friend of mine my friend um uh charlotte and um i i i turned to the right face her i turned straight again and a group of guys one guy is running full speed punches me right in the face why for no
0: reason And was it just a random act of violence or was it looking for you? I don't
1: don't think it was targeted. No, but it was like just some like jocks on the street. Right. You know, um, I think it was like a UFC fight that night and they were just like looking for a fight. But yeah, like, yes, yes. And it was just like, it felt kind of like symbolic, you know, like it's just like, damn, like everywhere I turn people are like, don't want me to be around, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I got kind of bummed out, but then... I got nominated to be Poet Laureate of Edmonton, right? So that was like a really crazy period of time.
0: And uh, let's, okay, I want to listen to a song and then I want to get into that because I remember hearing that news and it being like, that's interesting. But again, I didn't really understand too much about what that really meant. So... Let's listen to this song, because here's a here's a Bird of Prey song that you jumped on with Ness. I always liked this song and this record by Bird where you hey, self-produced. I lo-
1: listen, man. I fucking love this album. Yeah, it's great. I love this album. This is one of my favorite albums of the last decade plus. I think Bird of Prey is one of the most under- underrated rappers ever. No doubt. And I think this record in particular, an L., Yeah, and it's crazy to say this about a record that I'm on, but I'm like, this shit is so fire. Yeah, and he he just he was so far ahead of his time with this record, with the way the beats are. Yeah, you know that became like a trend, and then now you hear it everywhere. Right now you hear this this sound.
0: Yeah, is Griselda
1: is everywhere, and he he was like the first person doing it. So shout out to Bird of Prey.
0: Oh, let's check this out. This is called Rays and Beams. Uh, By Bird of Prey featuring Cadence Weapon and Nestor Windrush.
4: King of the Cellos. Traded the day, I created a path with them A faded love for creative anachronism A match made in 87 Back when God was man And created heaven Played the devil's advocate The life isn't always a matter of avarice Just a lie of averages A straw broke the camel's back And I put it there Knowing that it couldn't handle that I didn't put Van on my back, I let it sink And I don't think the cat'll never land on its back The facts speak for themselves in a sense but sometimes they take a backseat to what the fancy. My man sees gin in the air, so numerous They blot out the sun, but he can't say what the future is We never learn from the mistakes that we made There's so little fear in my heart that I'm afraid
1: Yeah, baby, been around for a long time. You the long con, stick around for the long rhymes. You know I'm broke. I'm on the corner with an overcoat, low and told I got my education close to Roanoke. Met an old Navy bro, you zooted off for of blowing dope. Gave him some hope, broke him off with some dota coat. Seen the Poconos, i done poems to Nova Scotia motorboats. Act like a monkey, you can get the boner bowl. Climbed up the totem pole, fell off and broke my nose. Spoke the hoes and open toes, their hands on coconuts. Societal conventions, they just aren't dope. Hopefully, you can live and learn and apply it to your next turn on the wheel of fortune. You gotta spin and shift just to hit the right portions. One day, you're richy rich, the next you're an orphan. So just hold on and don't forfeit.
4: White and white chalk. I've walked a different rock with the rocky lullabies. My fists so articulate. So many languages, a beautiful array. Bacon, kingfish, king for a day of a city that won't mix beside the godlicks. Pointed finger, break a finger, can't take the sun away. Besides. Slightly greater life lived in his eyes As wheelchairs pass, as Sinclair passed Ill-lived memories become minor laughs He and Andrew with chipped the tooth of a boxer SMP on advice of a doctor Fights to retrain his hands and brain
1: What remains? Father with some fancy pains In midst of a recession, so long to this profession Lose a limb, gain a limb, face a new direction, yeah
2: I wanna be sunshine
0: Raisin Beams Cadence Weapon Bird of Prey nest to Winmush Not in that order That's a good song So Yeah man So uh, um, You were saying that you became Poet Laureate Tell well, us what well, that wait, is Wait
1: wait wait Let me just point out one thing From that track I yeah. was just thinking of Yeah Just to explain uh, In that verse And also shout out to Ness Because uh, he's a big legend too But um in that verse, it's a true story what I'm talking about. It's like, I met an old baby bro who zooted off with blowing dope. <laughs> and, and this was back when I was in university. Yeah. Um, so it was really boring, usually when I was there. And I, I went uh, I, to walk to, I think, like Walmart, because it was like the only thing where you could buy something at the time yeah and uh, i i specifically was buying because i used to play playstation and one of my games the disc was scratched and i was trying to get it fixed and there was a thing where you could clean the disc right and so i went to buy one of these things yeah and so on that trip there was a guy who was like he was he looked really flummoxed and sweaty and he was in a navy outfit and he was outside of his car and he's like i locked myself in my car and i'm late for the navy ball i I need some help, you know, like my wife is there, I'm gonna be in huge trouble, you know, yeah, and uh, I was just like, oh man, like, what do you need? He's like oh, I don't know, uh, I just need a little money, you know, and so like I go to the <laughs> I go to the a t m with it, <laughs> and I just like, yeah, I'm a college student, I just pull out some cash from my student loan and uh and give him a couple 20s and also give him my, my the location of my dorm and my address and stuff so he can pay me back. Yeah. And um, obviously I never hear from him again. Right. And in retrospect, I was like, why was he so sweaty? Why was he so frantic? It's like, yeah. oh, shit. He's a crackhead. Damn. Yeah.
0: That's, that's the lesson, right?
1: Yeah, man. But that's real rap. So that's all I wanted to say.
0: So I was kind of wondering about what is your ratio of writing to releasing? Like, do you write a lot of raps? And, you know, some people like, like I write now and I, I don't write that much anymore, but now pretty much I'd only write to release something. I wouldn't, you know, I don't just write. So do you write a lot or did you at this time, like write a lot and a lot and a lot and then, you know, not put it all out or not record it all or...
1: No, back then, my process was a bit different. I used to, in my first couple albums, I'd have ideas for the songs, themes, and then I would write out all the titles. I'd come up with the song titles first. Yeah. I wouldn't have any music even. I do that
3: and too. Then,
1: yes, and then I would make music based on the ideas. Yeah. You know, and uh, and then I would write to those beats or whatever. But um, those would be the songs though. Like, I wouldn't make any f- more songs than what I'd made. You know like yeah. i'd have a couple extra here and there that like just didn't make the album but it was like not intentional like they were meant to be on it and they just didn't yeah. so no I, I back then like from when i started to around i would say like 2010 ish um no i didn't write very much but then i think when i became poet laureate Something interesting happened with my writing process. So as soon as that happened, I, I was appointed, and, and it became big news. It was everywhere. It was like I was on the national Peter Mansbridge, and people talking about it. And, you know,
0: you got the VHS, by uh, any chance? Uh, there's, I've got a video. I got a link.
1: <laughs> it's iconic moment. <laughs> like, I've got the still photograph of him introducing me. It's pretty funny. Oh, that's
0: great. Anyways, sorry, um, interrupted.
1: Yeah, but um yeah, and it, I was on like CBCQ and did all the stuff. But some of the media there was like a particular thing, I think it was in the Globe and Mail. And they compared my lyrics to Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. And it was like a kind of like making fun of me. Like right. it was like um it was it was like uh they used like my uh So
0: they're pulling your raps out and they're saying this
1: but they would take not obviously, I've got super lyrical raps, but they would take some stuff that was from a party song, right? And it was like, Isn't this funny? Like, they made this guy a poet laureate, or whatever, so,
0: right? So, as in, like, look how far we've fallen, type of bullshit from yeah, Shakespeare to, to some rapper, right?
1: To, from Shakespeare to Roly, yes. So, um, that actually really spurred me on to go way harder with my lyrics because I was like, Never again. I never want there to ever be a situation where somebody could put my lyrics up on in print and ever be able to like distance in that way, right? So I wanted to make something that was like unimpeachable. So it's like when I came started writing for my next record, uh, Hope and Dirt City, I I really was like, I want this to be like a book as an album. So like a lot of the lyrics on it, like I were, were very, very heavily considered in that way. Like I wanted it to be. You know unfadeable
0: right uh, I want to talk about this mixtape because um, I think around this time before Hope and Dirt City we're going to play something from that but before that I think you put out this mixtape for Tron <laughs> and also <laughs> around that time you came to to my place in Vancouver Richmond and did a little bit of recording that's right with me so I want to start with Tron because um, I'm probably one of the world's biggest Tron fans. I don't know if you know that. No, I do. The know original that. Tron, I uh watched as a kid. Like it came out on Betamax, and I watched the hell out of it. Like, and oh, then wow. I got it on Beta. I got it on VHS. I got it on DVD. I got it on Blu-ray. It's kind of like I've seen the movie like uh, 500 times. You know, like that's my oh, movie, yeah. that's my shit. And then the <laughs> new the new one came out, and of course. It's a terrible movie. Like the new, the Neutron. You could say the original Tron is terrible too, but at least it was. You know, I was six years old and it was groundbreaking, groundbreaking for that time. And it's, you know, whatever. But uh, the Neutron comes out and it's, you know, not so, not so good. But uh, you did a mixtape and it, it claims you never even saw. Did you ever see the Neutron Tron Legacy? No oh,
1: okay I, I never saw
0: it. <laughs> well it wasn't good I went I went with uh, a colleague of mine who was a really good friend and but who's like a real film critic guy right And so yeah. he, he couldn't like uh, su- suppress his emotion on how bad the movie was and then he just stands up at the end and he goes that was appalling and I was like oh. <laughs> but let's uh, but you did the mixtape for Tron and uh, and guy
1: can i explain this mixtape yes a little bit okay because it's okay this was at this time i had moved to montreal right and so um i was in this it was like to me like a creative paradise like everybody i met was making really weird music and it really inspired me a lot you know and so my next idea you know after you know i put out um after party babies in 2008 and then i was like oh i need to feed the streets so i gotta put something out yeah. i was like let me actually i would i really started listening to more kind of like street rap the, you know, like early kind of trappish kind of stuff, crunk yeah. adjacent music for the first time, because I never really fucked with it, obviously being an underground rap person. But then I was like, oh, I know what I must do. I've got to do one of those like kind of like little Wayne mixtapes. Yeah. You know, where that you get off of that piff yeah or something right and so i wanted to do something that was exactly like that have the skits in between and it'd be like cadence weapon speaks i always thought that was so yeah. funny that would be like gucci Mane speaks <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like the whole thing i thought would be really funny like yeah. i it was it was like a satirical a parody. right parody yeah. thing even like the cover it's like my face and the tron cover and yeah. it's like yeah and um I think some people were turned off by how jokey it was, yeah. <laughs> but um, I had a lot of fun making it, so I think that might be the most important part.
0: Exactly. Well, that's sort of the bottom line, right? Um, I guess let's I guess play it, but I've I realized as a bad interviewer that we didn't actually talk about what your duties are as Poet Laureate.
2: So, oh, yeah, yeah. So why don't
0: we listen to this song from the Tron mixtape, the one with with Rich, with Buck 65, and then I want to get into what a Poet Laureate does for a living, okay? Absolutely. All right. So this is called Always Strapped, featuring Buck 65.
1: Uh. Listen up, kids. Always Strapped. When I'm in the car, step into a cab When I leave the bar, yeah I pay I got some bucks in me, and I got bucking back I got some bucks in me, and I got bucking back <laughs> Me and my friends ride in a beater Read the believer Stress like a dealer of used cars hit bars like Brick Breaker watch me use the receiver rep for the gift eaters get paper like Retrievers in a 38-seater ETS we be stressed cause we can't crazy taxi we can't bumper car it Get a tone there, and then I pull out my wallet, I'll give you the number I am sure you can call. And yes, I do admit the scare ads are excessive. But your vision is blurred when you drink those oppressors. I don't wanna nag it, you gotta have control, cause you don't want your photo with some flowers on a pole. Should have just used your mobile. Now they got your Facebook picture on global. Getting shout-outs from Mike Sobel. All red like Reggie Noble. And for what? Just cause you wanna look tough? Listen. I just wanna help you to not be too cool for the safe belt, okay? It's safety first out here, under 0.08 and you're great. Always strapped, when I'm in the car, <laughs> step into a cab, when I leave the bar, A yeah, I pay. I got some bucks on me, and I got bucking back, I got some bucks on me, and I get always strapped. When I'm in the car, step to a cab When I leave the bar, yeah I pay I got some bucks for me, and I got bucking back I got some bucks for me, and I got bucking back Being in the backseat isn't my flavor But living legend, Elena is in Eva. It's hot enough to make the hard concrete melt Sitting next to me,
4: wearing nothing but a seatbelt Her ass makes life worth living And it's got me thinking of baby-making and birth-giving So I'm wearing mine if I die, it's my own fault, folks I've got a boner and I'm making pole vault jokes She's wearing nothing but a seatbelt I'm all about her face, but her ass is from outer space Thank God
1: it's Friday on the highway in heavy gear Seatbelts save 10,000 lives every year Fact, don't look back, rearview mirror and check her shoulders Tonight I'm having sex with a world record holder the heat's felt, defeats dealt, sweet pelt. Backseat wearing nothing but a seatbelt. Always strapped, when I'm in the car. Step into a cab when I leave the bar. And yeah, I pay. I got some bucks on me, and I got bucking back. I got some bucks on me, and I get always strapped When I'm in the car, step into a cab When I leave the bar, yeah I pay I got some bucks for me, and I got bucking back I got some bucks for me, and I got bucking back
0: who made that beat is that that's just like a mixtape kind of thing
1: that's a it's a Lil Wayne track
0: that's a Lil Wayne track see I don't know my my Lil Wayne and so you you called up Rich and you said I want you to jump on this track this Lil Wayne beat for me and he's like no problem
1: yeah I was like listen man I want to do an anthem about um not drunk driving and uh car safety and 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 he was absolutely into it and he's like but the only thing is I need to talk about this um this this pole vaulter that I'm, I think, is really sexy. I'm like, sure, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. I'm. That's like. I think I have one of the wildest Buck Sixty Five versus ever. That's on, a
0: wild on a record. Verse. That is hilarious.
1: Yeah. That was. Yeah. That, that that was like kind of the vibe of that whole record. Like I recorded everything in my room, just by myself, with a, with a little help from like my friends and stuff. Like uh, this is in Montreal. So, This was in Montreal, yeah, and like my friend Seb Cowan, who he went on to run this label called Arbutus Records. He he helped me record and stuff. And
0: so, is this before or after your poet laureate of Edmonton? This is like during. Okay, during. Right. But are you poet laureate of of Edmonton and you live in Montreal? Yes. Isn't that shouldn't you be in Edmonton?
1: Well, I was a lot, like almost the entire time. That was the thing. Is like I I had like the whole thing was I was like a representative of Edmonton and I was a representative of like the literary like arts in that city right right and so like I was frequently traveling back to Edmonton whether it was like from touring somewhere or like I was in Montreal or I was working on my next in Toronto primarily right so I briefly didn't really live anywhere like I'd be like couch surfing in toronto while i'm making this record and then i'd be you know i had a spot in montreal and then i also would be in edmonton the vast majority of the time so it was like kind of a transitional period where for two years i was poet laureate and then yeah
0: and so as poet laureate what do you need to do you're representing the literary community of edmonton and so are you going to meetings? Are you going to functions? Are you going to wine and cheese parties? Are you actually writing poetry about Edmonton? What are you doing?
1: Yeah, yeah, I wrote a lot of poetry about Edmonton. Um, there were different projects I was involved in that are still up today. Like there was one thing where I wrote a poem that ended up being placed on a bunch of flags on Jasper Avenue. Okay. And it's uh, kind of like an art installation across the entire city. You know, and it's—I'm very proud of it. And it's nice. been up there for like ten, ten years, um, and it's called uh, monuments. Mm-hmm. And it's um, to me, it was like this conceptual thing where I felt like Edmonton didn't have any—you know—a lot of the the best monuments are like um, naturally occurring. Yeah. And so I just kind of juxtaposed that with the idea of like man-made monuments. You know, like we were well known for like a giant mall or like we had this really big baseball bat, you know, like all of the kind of like monuments at Edmonton were just kind of like random and weird, you know? So I just kind of talk about that. So I did that. I mean, I would go to schools and and talk to kids about poetry and rap and lyricism. And, you know, I would write poems for certain events for openings of different buildings being inaugurated, you know? And, uh, you know, I went to, there was a poet laureate conference in Halifax uh-huh. that's that's That see that's more reality rap for should, you Roddy does that shit get was, wild or what I I referenced it in that Bird of Prey song it's just like read poems on Nova Scotian motorboats. right that's what I, that's where it was I was on a boat like reading poems with the other poets laureate
0: and so are um, the other poets yeah. laureate like you like younger and happening and- hell no hell no they right. were all super old like when you were named poet laureate it was controversial
1: it was very controversial because they were like i was the youngest one in the history of time yeah like i was at the time i was 20 20
3: 23 holy shit
1: yeah right so like you know most of the people i knew they didn't know what they were going to drink tonight and I had to be like, oh, this is like my poetic vision or whatever. But you know what the thing was, I never, didn't, I never felt like a ton of pressure about it. Like, I always felt like very confident about my writing. And even though it was like not conventional poetry, a lot of it, um, I felt like I kind of helped change the conversation in Canada in that way. Like, I feel like, you know, at that time, you know, Canada can be really backwards and really behind. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like at that time people were still like rap is crap yeah and then like i think my being appointed poet laureate really got people to think about um rap lyrics as being poetry right in, in, in that way so like i feel like really proud about that
0: now so so you you're poet laureate and you're couch surfing working on a new record And so are you getting by like uh, are you getting money from shows or is the poet laureate thing like a paid thing where they're taking care of you
1: or Well, this is the thing is my old label. They really like exploited me a lot. Yeah Because like I was supposed to get paid You know, I think it was like ten thousand dollars per year of being poet laureate and uh, The label just took it off.
0: Are you serious?
1: Yes, they took all the Poet Laureate money, I know it's... it's,
0: Did the label have something to do with you becoming Poet Laureate? Did they say, like, let's... Is that...
1: No, no, but the thing was, they managed my career or whatever. And even though, like, obviously I was young and I I didn't know, it's like, how all this stuff is supposed to work, but it's, yeah, it was, um... You know, they felt like it was like I was getting paid for a show or something and like it went into the expenses that I was accruing or whatever, which they never showed me what they were. So, yeah, (laughs) no, it was crazy. So I didn't get any of that money. And in the meantime, you know, like, obviously like the the next record I was doing was becoming like, you know, it, it was kind of an expensive undertaking. Like we brought in this, this other like Producer from New York named Michael Mismano, who uh-huh. was like a big like rock producer type person or something, to like kind of help because I had this vision for the next record that was really like it was going to be all live instruments, yeah. right? Um, and so in Toronto, I'd be like jamming, like there was you know rent like at a rehearsal space, and like we had all these musicians that I ended up having to pay and stuff, and so there were expenses, but um, it definitely like they shouldn't have gotten that money. You know, no. It was like so bad that they did, and I didn't have it. You know, that's the pain Is like that's why I would say to all artists who listen to this, like, you know, you gotta keep. Don't ever sign anything that's like a three sixty deal. Don't sign anything that where it's only one entity is controlling every aspect because they, they they have too much control, and you need to have multiple people being a check and balance for each other.
0: Yeah. You know. So you signed this in two thousand and five.
1: I guess yeah, right one, before the first yeah.
0: record and so we'll get into more but did you did they just sign give you a piece of paper to sign or did you have it reviewed by anyone or anything like that I,
1: I had it I had it reviewed by a lawyer but it was just like some my mom always worked at law firms and stuff so it was somebody who was a lawyer but they weren't an a entertainment music lawyer, lawyer yeah right so and there were things that they had issue with but nothing got changed and so I ended up i wanted to put out records right i was
0: gonna sign i was gonna sign with a a label called mush records out of chicago to do to do an instrumental record and so i they sent me a contract and i had it reviewed by an entertainment lawyer in toronto and i came back with notes and they withdrew the offer and i was off the label never made a wow. record for him because they're like anyone who and that's the problem is like anyone who kind of fights for themselves up front it's like well you know this isn't even this guy's not even worth it right so so then we never we never made a record well um, you maybe you dodged a bullet well it's 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 that whole thing is like you know my ceiling is, is your floor in that you know what i mean i made have made more money over that period of time, because I had you know all that income from all these CDs, because you know I get all the money. But of course, I'm not playing festivals with Public Enemy, and I've got nobody you know with it with a financial stake who's doing things and networking and you know what I mean. Who knows, right? But
1: yeah, I mean the other thing I should say too is it's like it wasn't like I I didn't ever get any money. Like, there were some times where, like, I would get advances from them Mm -hmm. or something, but it was always suggested that I'd have to pay back anything I ever got, right? Right. But but it was, like, I'm just... This is the thing. is like, I started working with them when I was, like, a a teenager, and then I didn't have any other means of income, right? So I was, like, definitely, you know, when I... In the kind of Montreal era, like, I was... I was doing, like, all kinds of shit. Like, I, I remember I used to do... I used to do, like, experiments. Like, I would get experimented on.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> like, you'd sign up to be like, oh, try some new skin medication, and they'll pay you whatever to... That kind of thing?
1: Yeah, they'd have me strapped to something with, like, something on my head. And they'd, uh... Oh they they'd, they'd measure, like what my voice looked like on like a computer or whatever and it'll be like they're just measuring the information <laughs> like, you know or like you know it's like what do you think of when you see this and they measure what my brain does oh,
0: shit. <laughs> that's what was, that's what i was curious about is like you know you got to get by and you're probably not wanting to go get a job at you know at the jeans store selling jeans during the day or some shit you want to stay creative no,
1: no uh, man i also like it's like it's crazy like i'd be doing you know i'm the poet laureate of edmonton i'm like touring all these crazy shows that's the thing is like so many artists who do really well who do like as well as you can do or whatever they typically are still not making money yeah From music you know it's it's i i think my lucky stars today i am yeah like it took me 15 years to really start making some okay money you know but um i mean the thing was at the time i was young i was like making records i was like hanging out with people cost of living was really low in montreal so like i didn't really need any money ever Yeah. yeah You know, so I was. I,
0: was I mean, still the bottom line yeah, is, you is you're, you're, you know, you you were young, so you had, you didn't have that fear of like, you know, ten years later, it's a whole different story, right?
1: I wouldn't be doing that today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, I want to play this a couple quick things here. So this is a little jammy that um, we did together when you came out to visit me somewhere around 2010, 29, 2010, something like that. Because definitely um the plan was to do this thing i was called it was project Carphone, and it was going to be you and john smith and um i don't know whatever happened so i just have these little scraps you came out and recorded some bits and uh so here's here's just a bit just a little little bonus bit for our listeners
1: My girl say she loved me, me know she really don't. She never really smiled when we spoke. I'd act like a child overgrown And she was understated. When I was chill she was agitated, I ingratiated myself to the corners of her lifestyle She hasn't asked me to come around in quite a while We shift off to separate habitations and color our old hopes with the paste of the violet We pull vaults over polar gravitations and hold a mirror to the age of violence Depriving our room of its vibrant arts till it forgot about our private parts And then the silence starts, I can never it, take it always playing sounds that drown the coldest aching moment made where everything reveals itself as broken hey we gave it a shot we could have made it then it faded a lot and so we go beyond what's real to open up but once we sealed move along and have no fear Just have no fear, have no fear And so we go beyond what's real To open up what once was sealed Move along and have no fear Just have no fear, have no fear Just have no fear
0: funny that's a funny that's wild, little bit man. yeah that's good yeah
1: that, that i was worried when you were like oh, i'm gonna play this old shit that you haven't heard in a long time It was like that was cool
0: yeah that was um i haven't i haven't i had to like dig 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 because i know i've got even more but i found that one because i sent it to i don't even know where the original like i should have the original file of you recording it but i sent that to joe Um, just being like, you know, you were here, you were at my place and it was like, here's what we're working on and here's what's coming together. And, uh, yeah, um, you know, you definitely knew what you were doing as far as having a clear picture and like, you know, making, yeah, just making a cool little song that he was supposed to jump on, but I don't know why we never took it any further. I'm not sure what happened.
1: Yeah. I like, I could tell you listen. It's funny. I can hear different things in different eras of my verses it's like, that was definitely clearly after uh, Poet Laureate era. Cause like I was getting, I was trying to be very poetic. Right. <laughs> now I'm now, now like there's a difference between trying to be and actually doing it. Now right. I'm like, I feel like I've settled into it in a nice way.
0: Right. But um, like, yeah. So at the same session, we did this song. Now I don't remember whether bird went first on this song and then you jumped on or whether i think that you wrote first and then he jumped on that's how i remember it
1: but yeah that's that is because because i when this came out i was just like i never heard bird's part
0: that's what i thought i think i think yeah. i just was playing beats for you and you were like okay i got something for this and it was really wild and then yeah. he ended up getting on and then we were talking about getting other people on it felt like it was supposed to be a posse cut and then we just decided to, to not make it a posse cut and just have the two of you as a short song and this ended up we recorded it in 2010. According to my records, maybe you were even 20, 2009 or 2010. He he jumped on it and then it sat on my hard drive for like eight years and I finally put it out in 2019. So this is called Go City and it ended up being on the album, uh, the EP called Quitlam," on Peanuts and Corn Records. This is Bird of Prey.
4: Whisper in a crowded room Cluttered with aging hipsters I don't mince words With amateur Ginsbergs Going to your party Is such an adventure With French words. I want to sing for that supper at a Tupperware, I party with a bucket of uppers, a jumbled mess of befuddled professors, a taste of desperation and subtle depression, the scuttlebutt is that you muddled the mission, right now I'd rather catch a shuttle than prison,
1: ah! N-O-
0: city bird of prey featuring Cadence weapon and you're you're you wrote yours first just so people are clear that was in a vacuum you just going (laughs) n-o-m-e-n-c
1: yeah i was wilding that was like (laughs) it's really funny to hear that back too because it was like 2010 uh and i'm talking about you you used to be a snowflake and it's like that changed i i wasn't using it the way someone would use it today yeah you know it's funny
0: yeah yeah so you were saying that you um as you do these albums so you we we're getting to the point where you're working on your third album called hope and dirt city what's dirt city is dirt city edmonton
1: dirt city is edmonton yeah that was like that was that was what we used to call it me and some of my friends and stuff who were like kind of the artsy weirdo people in edmonton that was like our kind of self-deprecating right name for edmonton and so
0: you've got a whole vision as far as you know you did you did your first record and then you did your record where your club influence record after party babies and now you you've decided what's what's the third record it's you want to do all live instruments what's the concept
1: well okay so i had this vision of instead of sampling you know uh other people's tracks i really wanted to sample live instruments yeah and then turn them into samples right so it was like i would come up with like an arrangement i would chop up a bunch of beats and use some samples whatever and then get a band to kind of replay it yeah and then i would sample that right that was my vision.
0: So you're, you're getting band to come. And so where are you finding these musicians? These are just friends of friends and you're pulling people in or, or what?
1: Um, some of the people were actually the label got them. Okay. But, um, some of them I knew already. Like, um, the guy who ended up doing all the keyboard parts was this guy, Jared Stufko, who I knew from Edmonton. Yeah. Um, the guy who was playing bass for a while, Dan Carlisle, I knew him from Edmonton, but then they connected me with a, a drummer who was this guy Eric Lightfoot who is the son of Gordon Lightfoot okay and the um, we ended up also working with this guy Ian Quitter, who's done like a lot of stuff with uh, Chad mm-hmm. and um, they ended up being my band and so it's like we would like I would give them these ideas and stuff they would re- they would learn them and like we would change them and we would jam together. And we would play it all live. We'd play shows live and with a whole band. Yeah. And then and then I would take like kind of the results and take them home and chop them up and do different things with them.
0: So you would. OK, so then you're making you're sampling them and then you're making a hip hop record. Yes. And so you your relationship with the label at this point is like you're telling them about this idea and this is how you want to do your third record. And it's going to cost some money and they're and they're with it. They're good.
1: I mean they're kind of like this is the vision but at the same time like it it is pretty chaotic like i could sense that who knows how long those labels gonna be going for you know like so you're starting to sense
0: that they're gonna they have bigger problems besides your relationship with them and the fact they haven't paid you Uh, Yes, but you're seeing other signs of discontent with other artists, maybe, or just that they're uh, just more just
1: with them. Like you know, one guy just in the middle of recording this record, my my initial manager, he just like disappeared. Okay, he just like kind of like he had like a breakdown and he bailed. He Mm -hmm. like left the label. He just totally. I, never, I, I, I didn't hear from him again until recently.
0: And so this is the guy who you've been working with since 2005?
1: Yes, yes, and then so there were, that was Gareth and then there was another person, Orly, who ended up coming in later and she ended up kind of like shepherding the whole label and everything. But uh, this was around the time that I was recording this record and then like a little bit after.
0: Yeah. so right around so the record comes out in 2012 twelve. Twelve. so you're yes. working on it yes. for like a couple of years into that or, or...
1: It, it took a long time yeah like um i wanted to be done it in 2010 and then it still it was just the process was really hard to yeah. be honest like you know the, it, yeah, i basically chose to do the hardest possible thing and uh in a really weird way but i i'm happy with the production a lot on it yeah and i do feel like a lot of moments on the on the lyrics are very poetic and and worth keeping and stuff but then a lot of it i didn't even use like i have another album worth of stuff from that period of time that never came out
0: you have an Um, album like not just beats but songs like you wrote yeah
1: completely completely recorded live instrument type tracks that never came out right because uh they just didn't i just wasn't happy with them or they just didn't fit the mood really and uh for a while i kind of sat on this record like it used to be a different thing like it was it was initially called rock Ra- okay and that was like uh, the name of this character from the book nausea uh-huh. you know by sartre And, um, so it was like this, it was a very pretentious concept, (laughs) (laughs) this existential, like rap album. Right. Basically. And so there's some themes of that still like remaining in what I put out, but then basically there's like a half of it that I recorded in Toronto that was more of the live instrument stuff. And then there was another half of it that I finished in Montreal that was more, Kind of experimental and more sample based. I see. Yeah.
0: Um, I have put a song put the song aside, Hype Man, to listen to. So are you into listening to that one?
1: Yeah, you don't have to play the whole song though. It's too long.
0: It's too long. It's only three yeah, minutes play, fifty-five seconds.
1: It's too long this All right. day and age.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, let's check this out. This is Hype Man. This is from Hope and Dirt City. Uh Cadence Weapon.
1: I can't ball, not ride the benches with you, you fucking hype man. I don't need a fucking hype man, hype man. I don't need a fucking hype man. Show a hype man a middle finger on my right hand, hype man. I don't need a fucking hype man, hype man. I don't need a fucking hype man, hype man. I don't need a fucking hype man. Show a hype man the middle finger on my right hand, hype man. I don't need him. I don't know if you've heard, but I have a record too. It's really quite good, yes, really quite good. You might be alarmed, it sounds a bit like you, but that makes a little sense. We hang out and we're friends. I was wondering and pondering, hoping you could think about potentially, you know, uh, putting the album out. Cause it has more potential to reach more residential individuals if you back it, because you have a lot of clout. I'd appreciate if you connect me. I go backstage and collect the feeds, I take the bullet. I'd probably pull it. I'd take the charge if you direct me. Gotta vest with me, yeah, just in case you be puffy, I be made so maybe shine at the time of rise. Where the line, sleep behind bars and then stick there like pine tar. You the best MC, yeah, by far. Destiny that you select me. I just need one time for you to rep for me. Tell the press that you respect me. I'll say your words so loudly it would bum me out if you To me, 'cause I'm hype man, I'm propy. Hype man, yes, I'm the fucking hype man. Hype man, yes, I'm the fucking hype man. Come to any jam, I'm his damn right hand man. Hype man, I'm the fucking hype man. Hype man, yes, I'm the fucking hype man. Hype man, yes, I'm the fucking hype man. Come to any jam, I'm his damn right hand man. Hype man, I'm the motherfucking hype man. So you're saying, so you're saying you don't need my services anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, uh, but I want you to know this job has meant a lot to me, and I, I just like to let you know that if you ever need anyone to shine your chain, or carry your weed, or uh, take a charge for you, I'll, I'll always be there for you. Thanks for everything.
0: So, you produce that.
1: No, that was actually produced by a guy named Victor Bonjavani okay, from Montreal, who I knew in the kind of like underground club circuit. Uh, and yeah, he laced me with that beat. Um, so that was definitely... So th- one of the things that I, I tried to do on Hope and Dirt City is I want to have some songs that were very narrative. And a thing that I was doing, I was studying a lot of Harry Nilsson. Yeah. And one thing that he does is he does a lot of songs from other people's perspectives. Yeah. And so I I wanted to expand on that as I'd kind of done that a little bit on my second record. And so I was like, let me do a song from one of the most maligned, underappreciated, uncared for people in the history of all time. The hype man, the the weed carrier, you know, it's like, I think I was really inspired. I read this article in GQ about Rick Ross. And it was just talking about kind of all these, all these hangers on yeah. that he had, like doing different things for him. Like he had, you know, somebody who ro- rolls his weed and that's all he does. <laughs> There's another guy who like, when they go to the strip club, he has to go up to the DJ and be like, put on some Rick Ross. Right right like he has all these people doing all these weird jobs <laughs> and i found that way more interesting than anything about rick ross like right. i was like i want to know more, i want to know more about that guy yeah you know so i i wanted to write a song from that
0: perspective i like it um so tell me about this record coming out and how it how it was received and that kind of thing
1: so yeah um hope in Der city was received pretty well um it got nominated for the players prize Shortlisted, which you know, same as my first record, and yeah, it was like really cool that year in particular because you know I was nominated. Um, my friend from Montreal, Grimes, was nominated that year for Record Visions, um, and um, it was like Drake. Take care was nominated. Like, yeah, it was a crazy. It was a crazy year, but Feist ended up winning that year, right? Um, but um, it definitely felt like after not putting out a record for four years. Yeah. And then, um, not and, and after doing like a really eccentric record that I felt like not everybody liked, I felt like I really came back with, with, with something that like I was really happy with, you know?
0: Yeah. And so do you ever get any sense from the label of like how it's doing sales wise or anything like that? Did they ever give you any indication that it's of anything uh, like that?
1: not really no no they were like anytime i would ask anything about any like specific numbers or any like useful information like that it was always just like yeah i'll totally get it to you later you know like they they were were very evasive right with that kind of thing and and after this record came out like not long after you know i was kind of already ready to like come back with another record pretty quickly yeah um cuz I wanted to keep the momentum going. Yeah. And basically I just stopped hearing back from them, you know? Like eventually they were just kind of like not answering my emails, wow. like not answering my calls and stuff and
0: so so by not answering your call, so are they no longer getting you, you know, these shows and festival stuff or is that still happening?
1: Well, it did during like the year that I put out that record and, you know, a little bit after that, but then eventually it was just like no like my i stopped hearing from all the europe people i stopped hearing like i no longer i i kind of these relationships kind of like fell apart and it was kind of they just kind of stopped managing me which was crazy so so in the meantime
0: even though big data or whatever had um was re- was releasing the record in europe but they didn't have a direct relationship with you it was just through upper class no
1: no no they they would always keep me like siloed away from any people like that you know right and also also they never because of the way that we released the third album like it it was like got finished you know just and and ready to be released in time for the polaris deadline that year yeah and so we just like put it out and before really making a, an agreement with other territories. Yeah. And so, uh, unfortunately, it didn't, it didn't really properly come out in Europe that way. Right. Um, but yeah, then after that, it was just kind of like the momentum kind of stopped. I played a couple festivals here and there. But um, after 2013, it ended up just being like I had no label. I had no management. I had no booking agent. And I was kind of like, I just kind of focused on DJing more and I was just in Montreal and I was just, you know, I I did a bit of writing. Like I I put out a book of poetry Mm -hmm. with this uh, company called Metatron in 2014 and, you know, I was doing, I was doing other things, but I was kind of like, disenchanted with rap at that point. Because sure. I was just kind of like, I, I felt like a little bit trapped in the situation. Cause it was like, they weren't answering my, my calls and stuff, but I was still like kind of contractually obligated to do stuff with them. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was kind of like a weird period in my life. Cause I just got so into DJing and I would just be playing at all these clubs in Montreal and after parties and stuff. And I'd be DJing like 20 times a month and it just kind of,
0: so you're DJing and, and you're getting paid to DJ. You're like you're getting yes. So now yes. you're so you're paying the bills through music, but but through DJing.
1: Yes, yes. Right.
0: And so, and so, what happens with with the label then? Did they just fold?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, they just fell fold folded. But um, it was really only once I moved to much moved from Montreal to Toronto in uh, 2015 that I really started like thinking more seriously about like getting you know like putting some records out again and getting kind of back on track with that yeah and so like i um i found a lawyer who's willing to help me yeah who was just like a fan of my music and like um my girlfriend at the time she connected me with him and he just worked for me basically pro bono and connected me with a litigation lawyer who helped me get out of the contract and, uh, and so I could just like put out records again. And then that was like a really crazy period of time. Cause I felt like just my career was like done for, <sighs> Can't for a minute, imagine.
0: You, know? Can't. you know, So, so basically the label is not even functioning, but you're still contractually obligated to, and when you signed the deal, was there a number of records? Was it like you'll do um, five mm-hmm. records or was there any kind of term?
1: no it was like, they extended it they kept extending um they would have like the option and, and they, they would had just keep the extending options. i see they'd keep extending the option but then it was just it felt like it was in perpetuity right right and, and then it was this was all you know it's like yeah it was a pretty like bad situation but um i did after like you know dealing with like the kind of the legal stuff and i i once i felt free of that i felt like a bit freer to make music again yeah you know, and I just really went harder than I ever have to really regain it. And it feels like it's crazy to think about now because it feels like so long ago, but it was only a couple of years ago. Yeah. But it was like, I basically had to just start over again. Yeah. And, um, I went and just pounded the pain then, you know, like I talked to, um, this guy, James Trauzzi, who was, um working at Last Gang at the time, uh-huh. and you know, I was like, okay, these are a couple labels that there's a couple labels out there that I'd like to talk to, and so like I hit him up, I met up with him, I had a few tracks to show him that I had recorded since I moved to Toronto, but also a couple things I recorded in Montreal, like near the end, yeah. and one of those songs was the song with Kate Trinata, Okay, which is uh, my crew, and I, you know, this is before he blew up and became like this huge artist. and um they and it was also like that was one of those songs where it's like sometimes you get a beat and it's like i gotta like make the most out of this because i know this shit's fire you know
0: yeah i want to play that song so you so so you yeah he does blow up and you're so if i have it correctly he blows up not much before and you're sitting on a track with him that's from before, so you're like, Oh shit, I'm I'm sitting on something good here because obviously his album comes out and it, it does really well.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it was like kind of like around the time when I was talking to them, it was like he he was well known by then. Like yeah. the record had come out probably by then. And it was like also you know if you just like listen to it even if you didn't know who he was it was just like it definitely stood out among all the stuff that i was making and it was just i i feel really it was crazy how i'm we we met too it was through djing
3: yeah
1: you know so at i that could time, see them like I, sure. was de- I was i was djing in montreal and we were both on the same bill playing at this place uh downtown um, it's called New Speak now, but I, I can't think of what it was called at the time. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, like I DJ'd and then it was also with this guy Prince Club and he went on and it was like, I was blown away. I was like, what the fuck are you playing? His music is all great. And I, I talked to him after and I was like, bro, what were you playing? He's like, I made all that. I was like, what? and it was like hearing jay dilla for the first time yeah like i was just like this is fucking nuts and so i was like man we got to work together and so he sent me a bunch of beats and the first beat i picked i was like yo can i use this he's like oh yeah somebody's got dibs on that already it ended up being the uh the beat for glowed up
0: yeah. On his oh, album on with Anderson pack. Anderson pack. Yeah. <laughs> it's
1: a great song. I was like, that guy that was, I could have rapped on that. Right. But, um, but then I picked the other beat and I was like, Ooh, this is crazy. And I went, I went off on it and I recorded it in Montreal um, at my dude, Tyler Fitzmorris's studio. And I knew it's one of the ones, you know, where I think more than any other track, I knew it was special when I made it. Yeah, you know, it's like sometimes you have that feeling. It's like you know, it's a little bit different. Like there's just something intangible about it, and I've, I've, I've had it a few times, and I've had it like a couple times since. But it's like such a cool feeling that you want to make more songs so you can get to that point.
0: Yeah. Well, let's check it out. I like this song a lot. This song, song is called "My Crew," woo. And yeah. this is Cadence Sweben, produced by Kate Ronada.
1: This goes out to all my mile friends, and my parkettes connects All the kids in Little Italy, the punks in St. Henry Flat bros and the crew in the D's Cause you know when I do it, you know I do it with ease Made some moves with my music, you got a couple degrees Might see me using maneuvers, I got a few of my sleeve Become so fluent and ruthless, so underground in the sewer Like DOS FX with my set, my sound progression is proving. You think it's all an illusion, must be the booze you're consuming Talking shit with your but when all alone is confusion Acting like beefcake fruit, is when typing on your computer Give you losers a bruising until you need a transfusion My niggas don't run when it pop off, might rock camo when the cops stop Might cop
4: a Lambo with a drop top Nigga, John, drop white hole with a crop top. Better make light smoke with your pot chops and the hot spots fall off. Nigga, not that. Want me to stay poor, nigga, stop that. Better fall back, cause it's where wearing all black.
1: Now to face the bother to do this Gotta thank my mama cause she made me stronger when I had to deal with that shit let me teach you man thighs to stand to deliver. I'm wavy, baby, like I ran through a river. My drink is daisy, it passes from a liver. Take your lady, she asked me to get a little fella. I'm a big black nigga, little fatty, retro, he'll figure, it. hit it better. You're no big swinger, I'm a real veteran. You're not no figure, I'm really clever. I'm a shit together, I'm on the top in this deck. If you pick me up, I need a pins of better. Tinted window seats filled with leather. Send it in, see who pepper. Got a crew, bad bitches like this from sellers. I'm home Homie, my wrist smell. Got a meat strap and a special. When he drops above 60 levels, don't no read box. my kick special. Why three stack two? Clean conscience, my fist dealt I'm green monster when I'm getting checked Squeal off when I hit the pep Steep pop wheels kicking pebbles Like, woo baby, who doesn't better? Yeah, nobody here in slow lobby I'm rolling off it in the lobby loaded So confident, got a go spot to help me go walk till I'm overdosing like for the platinum do it for the gold
0: baby like. <laughs> that yeah. is um from your latest album called self-titled Cadence Weapon according yeah. to this it was it's on E1 can you tell me about putting out a record on a new label
1: yeah so that was a really interesting experience so while I was talking to them initially I was talking to Last Gang about putting out the record and they got acquired by E1 Music mhm and so I ended up kind of being switched over to their label. And so, yeah, dealing with them was very different. It was like a really, a real label that that had like infrastructure and stuff and had an office that was like in like a big skyscraper type yeah. building, you know? Yeah. And it was like, um, the people there have, they've treated me really well so far. And it's been really like... We, we have a really good symbiotic relationship and I think they, they respect, you know, that I want to, I want to do artful things, but, and they help me get it to as many people as possible. And that's like all I care about. You know, I mean, it's like, I want to just talk about that record, like my crew, you know, it came from like this really pure impulse to just make a song for my friends basically is like just in Montreal my crew like I wanted to give them all shout out and make them like something to make them go crazy at the loft party you know and it was just like that energy really translated and it was and I got to kick this style that I never really kicked on any of my records but I used to do live I used to rap really fast live you know it was just kind of like I feel like all all these things kind of uh it was a confluence of events And the song went crazy. And it was like the label, they really were really excited about it. They really wanted to just be a part of what was happening with that song. It ended up being, you know, on like Beats Radio, you know, debut, like track of the day on Zane Lowe and like, um, it ended up on like a bunch of TV shows, like on HBO on Ballers and, you know, like a level of, um... Exposure I never really had with anything I'd done before, yeah. You know, so it it was. I I I love that song. It's maybe my favorite song that I've done.
0: That's a good one. But I still like Julie will jump the broom. That's my joint. Hey, hey, I
1: I I like that one too.
0: Um. So so this record comes out, and do you get a little more? feedback on how it's doing or anything like that and and what is the what is the plan from here on in like did you i guess have a bunch of questions but do you have a plan to do another record through with this label
1: yes yes like um my next record will be with them and it should be coming coming out early next year right um i'm like 90 percent done it now um but yeah, like I, basically the way it worked on my last record, like it did really well. Um, like I, I sold like a few records and basically this time, like they gave me all the info, you right. know, like I, I broke even on right. the record like, and, and surpassed it, you know? So like, I'm not in the red at all. And there I know, you, you know, so it's like, and they're happy to make another record with me. And I know where I stand, so it's really nice.
0: And so do you um, have management that is separate from the label?
1: I manage myself. There yeah. you go. I think what happened in that whole experience of not having control of what was going on, it just made me go harder in knowing what every aspect of my business was. Yeah. Cause like, I don't, I just don't want anything like that to happen again. And it's like, it turns out I'm a very organized person and I'm able to do all that stuff. I'm able to handle, every aspect of, of of putting out a record in a way that i don't think like a lot of other artists can do yeah so um if if you can do it do it i mean the the only thing is you know if i get any busier than it is now then it's going to be difficult right so i, I want to just make sure i I don't i'm not losing grip on things because it's like i'm getting more and more things happening all at the same time it's like it can be hard to keep track of right i'm but i am happy with my current management myself right now (laughs)
0: well that's good that's real good Mm -hmm. um what else uh so you i think that's about it i mean we've we've been talking for a couple hours i do want to play one more song yeah of course of course i mean yeah
1: I i should tell people too it's like yeah i got that record coming but um, I'm also going to be putting out a book and I'm, I'm kind of talking about some of this stuff in uh, more detail.
0: About about your experience in the music industry, among other things.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Well, I can't so, wait to read it. When's yeah. that coming out? You're, re- you're writing it now, is that correct?
1: I'm writing it now and I, I, it's going to be coming out in fall of 2022, according oh. to the publisher.
0: Well, that's a good timeline. Fall of twenty twenty-two. Yeah. So you've got. So what does that mean? When when's your deadline?
1: Um, I think I got to deliver it delivered by the end of this year.
0: End of twenty twenty.
1: Yeah, yeah. Books take a long time. Holy shit! I don't. I don't, know shit. What it, I, don't I, I don't know. I guess that's how it works.
0: So you got to deliver by the end of this year, and then. 18 19 20 months later it's gonna come out so was what's that editing yeah. i don't know anything about the book business
1: part of it part of it is editing and i think i i don't know it's i think it's just the scheduling is so like they have so many books coming out right that it's like you got to get in where you fit in
0: so i guess there'll be the whole like they got to figure out the cover and take photos of you for the back when you're leaning on your hands like this like
1: yeah and of course of course it can't be a book without that
0: (laughs) right yeah um well that's exciting and do you have a title for the book
1: yeah bedroom rapper
0: bedroom oh perfect right yeah well, that's great. Um, well, this has been super fun. I've really ex- enjoyed uh, catching up with you because, you know, we I see you a couple times when you come through town and I stop by and we whisper I whisper in your ear or something when you're uh, trying to sell some merch or whatever, but uh, <laughs> it's really fun to just hang out and kick it and uh, get more detail about your stuff and really uh, listen to your catalog like with full attention. Um, I do want to play one more thing, which is a track you sent me a few years ago that you did over one of my beats, um, that I don't know why I think you said you really liked it but you couldn't put it out because it's just not something you would I, I don't remember why but I want to I listen to it
1: yeah. yeah it was like I mean I, during those sessions for that last record I made like a hundred songs right? right so it was just kind of ended up not going in the flow of what that record was yeah but I, I definitely do have a, I, I, I have a fondness for this song and it's also I, I maybe I felt like somebody was going to try and shoot me <laughs>
0: okay, so this song is called Concealed. This is a beat that I sent you a while ago. I probably just sent you a whole folder of beats. And to be honest, this beat is on my new album. It's a song on my album called Brandon. So people will hear this beat again in a more developed form. But check this out this is really cool. This is Cadence Weapon over a Mac and Roll beat from a few years ago.
1: Show me that you're really real Think about how would your family feel If you were laid out by the steel you ain't gotta keep the gun concealed. Every day it's on the news, why it gotta happen? Someone pull up at the spot and they start attacking. Pointing at the audience and they started clapping. Turning everyday life into some target practice. Shit. Hurting he cop that's strap at Walmart. Heard they got the same chopper in the cop car Oh no, they don't really wanna harm us They just wanna open carry at the Starbucks I just saw some people buried, it was far from us That don't mean it couldn't happen where you caught the bus Remember Hub Mall? Homie went nuts He shot everybody else in the armored truck Shit it gets hard to discuss, cause half of y'all are armed And the other has their arms up It's a cause for alarm How you run for the pistol when somebody in your front yard What you do that for? Why you walk around town like you want war? Why you come home with a weapon when you come from the store? Why you act like you a veteran, you was never on tour, huh? Show me that you're really real Think about how would your family feel? If you were laid out by the steel You ain't gotta keep the gun concealed Show me that you're really real Think about how would your family feel If you were laid out by the steel You ain't gotta keep the gun concealed I was walking back home after Red Star On the way there I copped a Donaire Lucky that I didn't have to walk far Downtown at night, nobody nowhere Look. I'm a block away from my place Walking under some construction and I see his face Thinks I'm somebody else, won't get out the way Lifts his shirt up, got a pistol in his waist Red tape on the handle, all patched with it The type of shit that goes off by accident I told him, yo, it wasn't me and then I passed it quick He said, get the fuck out before I blast you quick I'll admit it, I reported it the next day Then the cop came and asked, why did you wait? Then he tried Treat me like a fucking suspect. Why you gotta have a gun to get some respect? Huh? Show me that you're really real. Think about how would your family feel if you were laid out by the steel. You ain't gotta keep the gun concealed. I love it. Yeah, that's that's more reality rap because that shit actually happened to me.
0: <laughs> Where? Montreal? that was in edmonton oh, okay yeah Concealed. They thought
1: i was thought i was somebody else and uh they pulled out the gun
0: right uh i'll have to send you the song that beat became which is a song about meeting my album is all just about growing up in brandon and coming of age in music and all that kind of stuff and meeting tyler and meeting pat Pip's Kid, and so that song is about meeting this girl whose best friend was Pip's Kid's girlfriend, and us hanging out. Very, very different, so you're gonna like very, very <laughs> I, different I'd, song.
1: I'd love to hear it.
0: <laughs> well, again, I want to thank you for taking the time. I know you're a busy guy, and, um, and it's late, because you're on the East you know, you're in Toronto right now. So I appreciate you staying up late to uh, join me and to, to spend some time. And I know our listeners are going to love this shit. So I want to thank uh, UGS Meg for hosting this podcast. And I want to thank you very much for joining me. It was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, man, and thanks to everybody who listening, who still checks for my music. I, I'm still, still underground at heart, always. And just catch up with me, come come through, check me on on all the social media and everything. You know, Cadence Weapon, holler at me
0: right on thanks again and uh next we've got lots more good stuff coming i'm going to be talking to uh the gumshoe strut real soon i'm going to be talking to so so from saskatoon i'm still trying to get gruff to get on the phone and do one of these things we're not going to quit until we get gruff on the phone um so lots of good stuff coming up once again thanks to uggs mag for hosting and thanks uh for joining me cadence weapon good night everybody and have a good one